1: expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit eckfeldcom thrive. That's E C K F E L D T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Heckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Laura Noel. She is a personal development and mindset coach. We're going to talk to her a little bit about the work that she does with leaders to help them raise their performance by really thinking about how they're approaching things. What is their mindset? What are the kind of underlying structures that are driving their thinking? And actions I find this is always a fascinating conversation we I think as coaches especially sort of on the business strategy coach side you know we get very focused on the frameworks and the the models and the analysis and we forget that at the end of the day these are people that have to execute on the stuff and you know how people show up to the work is just as important as kind of the plan for what they're going to do so I think it's it's really important I don't think we spend enough time on it I think most people aren't nearly aware enough <laughs> of these things that kind of drive their performance and certainly within service companies you know how people are showing up as a huge part of the value you create and the value you deliver to clients. So a really important topic. I'm excited to have this conversation. With that, Laura, welcome to the program.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah. So before we get into our, our topics here, let's learn a little bit more about you and about your background. What was your professional background and how did you get into the work that you're doing today?
0: Oh, well, I served in the Air Force for almost 28 years. Yeah. So that was <laughs> the bulk of my background, but I served in a multitude of roles. But as I approached retirement, I served as a leadership school commandant. So we were teaching leadership to different levels of supervisors and leaders. And but throughout my career, I was looking for my purpose. I was collecting all these degrees and certifications. And, you know, although I had a level of success in what I was doing, there just came a point in time where I wasn't, I loved what I did, but I knew there was something else. And I was searching for that purpose. And I kind of started one of my last certifications was in yoga, yoga teaching. So mm-hmm. I was teaching yoga at my work center for free. So anybody that wanted to come by my schoolhouse at the end of the day could come by and I would teach them yoga. And I just started to notice how people's energy would shift. They just, their mindset was a lot better. People even even who had PTSD just had a a sense of wellness and well-being about them. And I thought, gosh, if I could just bottle this up and take my experience as a commandant and (laughs) from a Mm -hmm. leadership school and then this yoga philosophy and meld it together in a curriculum, that would be gold. And I would love to bring it to military people and corporations and people who might not ordinarily gravitate toward yoga. And I went to a personal development seminar and I met Bob Proctor, who's really big in personal development, mindset, and human potential. And he was speaking on stage and I I'm pretty shy. I'm <laughs> I might seem like an extrovert, but I'm not. And so for me to stand up in front of 500 people to ask a question. I just stood up and said, how do you know when you found your purpose? And he started asking me questions about what I did and my background. And at the time, I even said these words, I have to retire in three years. Like I was going to cling on for dear life (laughs) to my career and just stick with it until I had to leave. But he just said, give me your contact information. I think we have something that you'd be really wonderful at. And Long story short, three months later, after I started really putting what he was talking about with the yoga and my leadership training together, three months later is when I decided to retire. I got it approved. And then six months later, I replaced my income doing what I love, coaching yeah. people. It yeah. was that quick of a decision.
1: And why do you think it was that quick? What like what happened in, over that period or in that experience that cause that transformation?
0: At that time, I was really doing a lot of soul searching and really getting clear on what I wanted. And so, even though I was collecting degrees and certifications, what I didn't realize at the time is I was listening to my intuition and my gut that was just guiding me, my natural sense of curiosity, which we all have. Mm -hmm. We typically ignore it though. And so, I was kind of following these breadcrumbs, you know, just following that curiosity. And when I Got clear, I love this. I want to build a curriculum around this. I got clear and I made a decision. I think that was key. Yeah. I think following my intuition, my curiosity and then ultimately making a decision even though I didn't know how and what the end result would look like and how my, you know, next career would manifest. I made a decision that I wanted to serve people in this way with this type of information. And I was open to the possibility. So then when I met Bob Proctor and I asked that question and the opportunity was presented to me, I, I was clear. I knew in that moment that this was the right next step for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was you were sort of primed and ready to receive kind of a new direction or, or a new path and and then so when it was offered to you it was it was easy for you to, to take that step and move move forward with that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, because I think you know we often we get so locked in on what we think we should do or yeah. we are in a career maybe that we don't like but we've studied and we have the degrees and the certifications. We put so much energy into it that we don't even open ourselves up to what's possible. So yeah, I exactly. I was open to that opportunity and I saw it and typically I think we're so closed, our head is down, we're in the grind. Yeah. We can't see the opportunities that are around us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I find that a lot where, you know, leaders anyone in life, but particularly leaders, you know, get uh Get fixated on a very particular path or a way of doing something, and they're just—it's brute force. And, and any time I kind of see, you know, that kind of significant, serious effort getting put to something and very little progress being being made, <laughs> it's usually yeah. it's usually kind of an indicator that something's not aligned here. Like we're—we need to take a step back and kind of look at really what's going on, and you know, how are we thinking about this in a way that's that's causing us to have this kind of limited view, and and then how do we start opening ourselves up to new new potential ideas or paths? To achieve the the things we want to achieve, but, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it doesn't need to be this path, or maybe there's another way of doing it. Uh,
0: Exactly. And it doesn't have to be hard. We get so so locked in on those ideas of what it should look like, and- were, yeah, using that brute force, that grit. But really, I like to say it's better to use that path of least resistance. And I know from me being a type A overachiever, Uh and when I'm working with them, that sounds gross. (laughs) The path of least resistance because it implies being lazy, but it's not. It's really taking that step back and thinking. And when we're getting pushed around by external circumstances and using that brute force yep. and and just trying so hard, it's kind of like the, you know, the definition of insanity and mm-hmm. expecting a different result, doing the same thing over and over again. But really, the answer is inside of you if you just take a step back and listen.
1: Uh, so, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about sort of these two things that you brought together, the leadership training, leadership development work you were doing. Tell me a little bit more about what you were doing in that space, like what are the frameworks? What's the teaching? What's the learning that you had spent? Which sounds like quite a bit of time on developing professionally, and then I'd love to learn a little bit more about the yoga and the the work there. But what, what tell us about the body of work that you were focusing on on the leadership side?
0: While I was in the service, what I loved, I think things were transitioning as I took over in that position as a commandant, and we were getting more in alignment with emotional intelligence, yeah, and really kind of that that three hundred and sixty kind of feedback, that type of thing. And that's not something that was really prevalent as I was growing up in the ranks. It wasn't until much later when I took over this position. It wasn't my doing. It was just the way the Air Force was evolving at the time. But it really opened us up to understanding ourselves better, getting feedback, getting comfortable giving feedback in a mindful, respectful way. And that really just opened up teams, the better communication. I mean, I can remember just being so excited that we were going in this direction and that my personal path was leading myself in that <laughs> direction with personal development. And so I was able to bring that personal development that I was learning and working toward into my own organization. And I saw us open up. It was it was a beautiful thing, just Coming from a place of authentic leadership, authenticity, mm-hmm. and learning to draw that out in other people, that was really a big piece of, of what we taught.
1: Yeah. And on the yoga side, tell me a little bit more about how you got involved in that and what were you seeing in terms of you know, the things that you were learning and the things that you felt people could really benefit from?
0: I think the biggest piece with yoga was getting people to pause. Because when they came to see me, all of us, we were so caught up in the grind of, you know, The people who would come to my yoga classes were typically the highest ranking people, as I was at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, we were so embedded in, in our organizations, in developing our people, in leading other organizations, in being of service out in the community and on the base and within our nonprofit organizations outside of that. So, we were really pulled in a multitude of directions. So, the only time that we really had the chance to focus inward was when we had this time together, this hour together of doing yoga and breathing and meditating. And I think that was the piece that I really wanted to bring forward. It it was at the time, I didn't have the language to explain it, (laughs) but I just knew that people felt better. They had a better sense of well-being. They felt more focused. Ideas would come to them because they were thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious did you feel like like you wanted to teach people yoga or did you want to take kind of some of the principles and yeah. practices that you were learning and, and apply them in a more kind of you know custom way with integrating it with the other work you're doing I mean what was your what was your vision at the time?
0: yeah well initially it was to teach yoga but what I discovered was I I enjoyed the not just the physical aspect of yoga but it was the mindset piece the really yeah. the coming to home base you know I like to say, and Einstein says this, everything's energy, That there's all, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Match the frequency of the reality you want, and you can't help but get that reality. This is not philosophy, this yeah. is physics. So, everything's energy. And this is, I didn't realize this at the time until I started kind of putting these pieces together. But, you know, the chair that I'm sitting in is made up of molecules vibrating at a high frequency, although we can't see it our bodies are, our thoughts are. And if you think about when somebody negative walks into the room, even if you don't understand the energy piece of it, you can feel their energy. You just don't want to be around them, even though you might not know why. But the same is true when somebody comes in and they're just very gregarious. You just feel- an attraction toward that person but Mm -hmm. our thoughts are also, you know, that energy, that energy piece of us and when Einstein's talking about match the frequency of the reality you want and you can't help but get it, that comes from our thoughts Mm -hmm. and our thinking and if we're not quiet, if we can't find the space within ourselves, then we're not leading ourselves and that's what the yoga piece of this brought. It enabled us to do a little bit of the asana, the physical practice, and then quiet down into a space where we can hear ourselves think yeah. and listen to our inner GPS, which we typically, we don't do. We trust other people. We trust things outside of ourselves. And quite often when we're talking to other people and asking them for advice, they're not thinking either. <laughs> they're not thinking deeply, <laughs> right? They're, <Exactly. laughs> they're being governed by their own deep-rooted beliefs on a subconscious level, their paradigms, and they're they're guiding people based on their own fears and, you know, limiting beliefs.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious how much of this, I mean, I, I think one of the key things I'm that I've learned over the years, and I, I, I've been a practicing TM practitioner for yeah, probably 10, maybe 12 years now. The thing I realize is most people don't even realize that they're thinking <laughs> or yeah. not aware of their thinking. And I always find that that's kind of the most difficult first step is to create kind of a, just an awareness of your own thoughts. How? What are the strategies or how do you help folks? even just kind of start this process of realizing, being more aware of their own thinking? Is there any strategies, techniques that you're using?
0: Yeah. One of the things, and it's very simple, is I try to get them to tap into their imagination again. So, we've been blessed with you know our mental faculties, our imagination, our intuition, mm-hmm. our ability to reason, our will, our memory, our perception. Those are all Faculties in our conscious mind, and but what we typically do is we don't use them. We let what we bring in through our five senses influence our thinking and our decision making. And I love my mentor says mental activity does not constitute thinking.
1: Mm. (laughs) So (laughs) you
0: know we're being bounced around by external circumstances. That's not thinking. So the first thing that I do is I get people to carve out even if it's just 15 minutes a day for themselves it, it could be meditating if that's a great starting point awesome it could be just walking where you just you're free of distractions but just allowing yourself to use your imagination again and and ask the question if there were no obstacles for example what would I be do or have how would I be serving or how could I be more effective in less time those would be good questions to maybe ask yourself. And then whatever comes to mind, without judging it, just write it down. Kind of create a shopping list over the course of a week or two. But also notice when you start to use your imagination and you have these ideas of, gosh, I'd, I'd love to go on this epic trip, or I would love to save the world and, <laughs> and offer this kind of support. Listen to the, the mental chatter and take note of that. Because that's going to be a good indication of where some of your limiting beliefs are and where some of your paradigms are. So if you have a dream to have something or serve the world in a certain type of way, and you immediately go into yeah, but how am I going to do that? Okay, that's a limiting belief, right? Or well, I don't have the credentials. It doesn't matter. Is that's a difficult exercise for people to do? Yeah,
1: because at one hand. sort of this irrational, logical mind will be looking for, okay, what are the things I need to overcome? Or what are the things that are in my way? Is this, you know, a reasonable course of action? Mm-hmm. A- and and in there lies, you know, all the constraints <laughs> that you're putting upon yourself.
0: Yeah. And you know, I, you said reasonable. And typically, we set smart goals. Yeah, And I specific, measurable, attainable, reasonable, realistic, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's a timetable associated with that. But yeah. when we do that, we're selling ourselves short. Yeah. Because it's interesting Sandy Gallagher from the Proctor Gallagher Institute she is she comes from a banking and investment legal background. So that was her background, very logical. And so when she started studying this work and working with Bob Proctor, her mantra was do the illogical, do the illogical. So she went to an event, for example, never met Bob Proctor before, was new to his work, thought it was like a team building type of thing or mm-hmm. <laughs> like an improvement thing for the yeah. work workplace. And so, she said she went there and it felt like somebody took her head off, shook it around and put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> she, she wrote in very small letters in the margin of her notebook, I'm going to work side by side with Bob Proctor and lead him into the next, you know, era. Yeah. And he didn't even know who she was, but within a short amount of time, She developed a a program, a course for his company, and she's the CEO of the company. It had no background. She was, you know, her mind was telling her, who am I to do this? I'm a lawyer. I don't have a background in personal development. But we limit ourselves in terms of what we think is possible because we look at our credentials, we look at our past, but those things have no bearing on what we're capable of doing. So, you know, that's... Is it realistic? It's just irrelevant. It's it's really do I want it? That's the question. And it's a complete paradigm shift in the way of, of thinking.
1: Yeah. So, how, how do you go from? I guess once you identify that sort of potential limiting constraint, limiting belief, mm-hmm. what what do you do with it then? Like, how, how do you how do you replace it? How do you change it? How, what is the upgrade that you can do once you yeah. identify them?
0: So, it's absolutely an upgrade. So, when you start to notice some of these limiting beliefs that come up for you when you're starting to dream and formulate a goal, first first and foremost, you have to land on a goal, something that you're in love with, because your operating system. All of these beliefs have been with you since you were a baby, you know, (laughs) when your subconscious mind is wide open and we're watching the world evolve around us. A lot of these beliefs, if we examine them, we think, you know, we can realize how ridiculous a lot of them are (laughs) we can see that. But you want to really get embedded with a goal that you're in love with, even though you can't see exactly how you're going to get there, something that's big and beautiful and comes from your wants and desires and then when you do that. You have a fighting chance when those beliefs crop up because your mind doesn't know the difference between good stress and stress that's growing you. Right? It just, when you start moving in the direction of your goal and you have no idea how to get there, your mind is going to try to pull you back onto the sofa with potato chips (laughs) without you even realizing it. So you've got to realize what some of those paradigms are, those limiting beliefs, and then you've got to reprogram new ones that are in alignment with your goal. So you start by, a good example is, to maybe write a scenario out and so you can uncover some more of these. Write a scenario out where you're not getting the results that you want. Maybe, and this is typical what, what I hear, people that are in the grind or who are in the grind and they're working really hard and they have no time left for themselves or building the relationships they want or feeling fulfilled but they can't get off this hamster wheel. So you want to write that situation the way it is the good, the bad, the ugly, and start to notice in that situation what you've written in a couple of paragraphs. What are some of the non productive thought patterns and activities that you're doing? So maybe if you, I don't know, if you hit snooze and you want to get up at five and you hit snooze, that would be a non productive activity. And then if you feel guilty for doing that and you think, why bother? I'll start tomorrow. Those would be non productive thoughts. So, would the version of you who's achieved that goal be thinking those thoughts? What would they be thinking? Would they be hitting snooze? Would they reconfigure their day in a different way? So, you want to take those non-productive activities and thought patterns and replace them with something else that's in harmony with the person you want to become. Got it. I know it's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. But it's, it's kind of this sort of first awareness of what is the kind of programming you currently have? And, right. then, and then figure out what is the programming that would better serve me to achieve the things I want to achieve. And then, I guess, how do you then make that programming a reality? I mean, what's, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's one thing to kind of logically, you know, oh, I'm thinking this, I really want to think that, but then how do I get myself to think that?
0: Exactly. So there's two ways to change your paradigm, your internal programming. And one is through an emotional impact, which is usually something negative. Something happens and it shakes you to your core
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you shift a belief right then in the moment. But the other way is through time-spaced repetition of a new idea or a okay. belief that you'd rather be in alignment with. Replacing your old paradigm with something that you would rather align yourself with. And so, affirmations by themselves do not work. Okay. <laughs> so, you want to build an affirmation around that new belief. You are through repetition through writing it, through saying it, embedding it in your subconscious mind, but you have to take it a step further. You have to feel it. Remember when I said everything's energy, our yeah. thoughts are energy, and when that person who walks into the room is in a negative mood and you feel it, that's a feeling that they're projecting outward. So you want to get in the the feeling, get into the feeling of your wish fulfilled, repeat the idea, the new paradigm that you want to embed in your subconscious mind with feeling and emotion, imagining you in the ideal state with your goal and your vision. And that's that's a great starting place. But you also have to take the action at the same time. So just think about somebody who goes on a diet, for example. And we, we all know people who go on a diet, and they have all of the tools, all the resources, all of the knowledge. And they start making progress and maybe over the course of two weeks, a month, they lose weight. But then a month later, they're back to home base. It's because of our mental programming, our our subconscious mind, our paradigm is kind of like if you've ever read the book Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. No, I haven't. No. Oh, it's it's incredible. He, he equates your self-image and subconscious mind to that of a cybernetic mechanism. So, it's the autopilot on a plane. If I were to take off from Boston to go to Paris and the plane that autopilot's engaged and I, I kind of change gears and I switch directions, well, that autopilot will slowly but surely bring me back on course. Well, your mind is exactly the same way, but it's happening on a deep subconscious level. So if you have the the tools and the know-how and you're gonna go on that diet and you only change your behavior and you do the things, your subconscious mind will know, oh This is not who you are. It'll (laughs) sense the deviation. And before you know it, you're making excuses. You're not working out one day. That turns into two weeks, but you don't even realize it's happening. So that's why it's important to build that image of the person you want to become in your mind. Get emotionally involved in it. That's why you want to repeat it, write it. Write new affirmations that are in alignment with that goal, mm-hmm. and get emotionally involved in those too. While at the same time, you're taking the action steps. It's not enough just to change your behavior.
1: Yeah, it's really kind of changing the script that's in right. that's in your head around this. So, and what are the what are the things that get in the way of that? In terms of you know, if people are not successful in making that kind of rewriting, what typically happens, or why do they typically run into problems?
0: And I've experienced this too. I'm, I think. Anyone who's into personal development, I think, at one time or another, we think, oh, I got it. And we, we get it on an intellectual level. Yeah. And we, okay, I understand this concept. I can do this. And then maybe we have some wins and we settle for the wins. And then we think, okay, I, I can take it from here. And we don't continue with the work. We don't continue taking that quiet time for ourselves. We don't continue with thinking. That's essential. That's So that's one pitfall we go unconscious so we let our I remember I was at a training session and our coach had said I want you to read this every day to get it embedded in your subconscious mind until our next training which is in four months and I started this habit and I started studying this document you know alongside my meditation first thing in the morning and for a month, it went well. And then two weeks went by, and I realized that I hadn't I hadn't done it in two weeks. No. I thought I had established a habit, but my subconscious mind took over. I went unconscious, and then I went back to that home base. I went on autopilot again. So it's just we we allow our, our paradigm to take over without thinking. So you've gotta schedule it, you've gotta do it. When you think everything's going well, double down on no. your study because you never you never get it. You're constantly evolving and growing. It's not like you're going to learn all of these skills and then you, you know it. And if you know it, then you're going to assume the lotus position and ascend. Nobody knows it. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I'm curious about kind of context. I always find that you know, so much of this is you know, our ability or inability to kind of change the context that we're operating within. That's either going to reinforce the change we want to see or reinforce the old thinking that will prevent us from getting there. How do you kind of think about it and how do you deal with context that people are operating within?
0: Well, first, you've got to understand that, especially when you're dealing with other people, that you have your way and your perception, your way of viewing the world and your, your deep-rooted beliefs and paradigms. But then when you're dealing with other people, so if you're in an organizational context and you're dealing with, you know, maybe toxic leadership or different elements within an organization – Change the way you see those individuals and that context in which you work in. People are operating from their own paradigms. So see them in, there's no limit to what we can do. You know, our ability is endless. And when we can see other people in that light, and when we change the way we look at something, the thing that we look at changes, we've all heard that. Yeah. And there's there's truth in that. So, changing how we view our context, that starts with us, that's our responsibility. So, that's one. But the other thing is, you know, create your own context and create your own way of viewing the world, putting yourself first before you start to allow other people and other circumstances to influence your thinking and your decision-making, you have to put your oxygen mask on
1: first. Yeah. And that, I think it is a tough one for a lot of folks, especially in people that are very service oriented. Will often I find, you know, worry about other people before they take care of themselves, ultimately to everyone's demise. <laughs> yeah. know, in the short term, it may feel good, but in the long term, it's not going to be sustainable and successful.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It, people get stuck in that trap, but it's easy. It's, and it's, It's our conditioning and there's reasons why people do it, but it's, if we want to serve at a greater level, we have to take care of ourselves first. And I, it's interesting because I was recently on a call with one of my clients and I work with people at different levels of their, their journey, whether they're new entrepreneurs and they're solopreneurs or whether they're C-suite in an organization. But, you know, I'm thinking about one individual who is in that realm, in that C-suite arena and very... He was in between positions and kind of looking to, look, I got to figure out what I want to do. You know, everybody wanted him. He's, you know, very knowledgeable and that go-to person. He had all of these projects and things that he was working mm-hmm. on. He was, people were wanting him for a board of this organization and that one. And he wasn't saying no to anything because he didn't want to let go of an opportunity and miss an opportunity. Oh, but, yeah, it the same, right. but at the same time, he didn't know what he wanted. He wasn't clear Yeah. and when we broke it down and I had him visualize not only the impact he wanted to have in the world but why are you doing this at the end of the day I mean you have a family yeah. you have a beautiful family what do you want for them how do you want to live your life with them and the people who matter the most to you. And when he got centered around that and kind of got out of, and he is a logical person, when he kind of (laughs) um, got out of that logical way of thinking, he came up with, you know what? I want to serve in this way. I want to, I want to trust that intuition. I want to be at the games, at the track meets with my my sons. I want to be present with my family. He had a number, it was like over $100 million in average return and revenue and he thought that was like a, a really big idea for mm-hmm. him but when he got clear on that vision he started getting clear on what opportunities he could let go of yeah and then the opportunity to actually create this started to manifest and he feels much more focused and in alignment and he's not in that hamster wheel anymore
1: yeah i always have a, a phrase i use which is we, we can do anything you want just not everything you want. Oh, <laughs> so we, I love that. We got to choose. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I kind of don't care what it is, but we got to choose something because like if we try to do everything, we're just going to not be successful at anything. So, yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. If you don't have that anchor, if you don't have that, you know, that clarity of vision in terms of what you want and you're not prepared to make a decision... And, let, and sometimes when you make that decision, you're saying no to other things, right? Yeah. And I always say similar, it's, you're going to be presented with so many opportunities because of who you are. It doesn't mean that all of the opportunities mm-hmm. are, are for you right now. You have to, yeah. you have to decide and for you to decide, you have to be clear on what you want and for you to be clear on what you want and to ensure that you're not doing things that you think you should do, should do based on yeah. other people's expectations, you have to take charge of your schedule first. And that is the that is the most difficult thing. And people, you know, if you fall, get back up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's every single day, make the decision that you're going to put
1: yourself first. Laura, tell me a little bit about how you engage with clients, who you typically work with. What is What does that look like for you these days?
0: Yeah, so um, I work with people typically who are entrepreneurs or they're in the business realm, they're already leaders achieving a certain level of success and they're wanting to level up and get out of the grind. So, that's typically who I work with. I have a lot of different events that I host every couple of months. But the way people can reach me and and connect with me is I have a a welcome page just for your listening audience. So, it's stretchingthesuccess.com backslash S-U-S. So there's a few different ways that people can connect with me. Uh, one is there's a free download, which is six mindset changing techniques to achieve a more fulfilled life. So people can start there. There's also a free webinar that I have periodically. So people can either register for the next one or get on the wait list for the next one. And that's free. And then they can also set up a, a 15 minute call just to see you know, if we can have a a deeper discussion, see what's possible for them and how we can align. Because I work with individuals, but I also work with teams as well.
1: Excellent. I'll put the uh, links in the show notes here so people can get that information. Laura, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I love talking about this stuff and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to connect with me as well. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt.